Ink and Quill illuminates on literature, culture and beyond. That's cool, isn't it? Listen to the sound of some incredible readings. The Great Wall story is the story of the relationship. The imagery in China is so strong. It's a book about the human story. Ink and Quill. Something provoking. You have to think like a queen. Something thoughtful. History's fantasy, really. Something fun. See some naughty people trying to steal panda cubs. All here on Ink and Quill. Discovering literature and the following stories behind your favorite authors. This is Ink and Quill. I'm your host, Yang Yong, right here in Beijing. In today's digitally savvy world, social networks have invoked our desire to share to an unprecedented extent. On Instagram, people post numerous family photos, pictures of their meals, as well as selfies with some furry feline friends, while Facebook and Twitter users just can't help updating status or sharing the link to a hilarious baby video from time to time. Yes, there are so many feelings we want to express, so many adventures we want to resonate with. But what else can we share on social media? To find out the answer, let's follow Leaning Jing as she digs through the bestseller Mind Sharing, the art of crowdsourcing everything. It was a normal day in 1906 when British scientist Francis Cotton left the comfort of his home to visit a country fair. Prancing around the market, the statistician came upon a competition which dares local villagers to predict the weight of an ox. Around 800 people gave a try, but none of them got it right. Well, what can you expect from the average folks? Yet, out of sport or habit, Gorton borrowed the tickets after the contest and averaged the guesses. The result totally blew him away, as the mean was a near-perfect match to the actual weight, save one pound. 100 years later, Israeli researcher Leo Zorif revived Gorton's experience on the TED Talk stage. Watch closely and take a good look at Teddy here and try to figure out what his weight is. This former Microsoft vice president came up with a similar conclusion that sometimes the judgments of the many could be wiser than those of the few. But unlike Gorton, who was more interested in the statistic aspect of this experiment, Zorif tries to figure out how to pool collective intelligence within our personal digital networks. So you need to say two heads are better than one. I ask myself, what about 100 heads? What about 1,000 heads? What will happen if we can all think together? And I try to in my research, in the book, try to understand how we can use social technologies in a new way. Wait, doesn't it sound like James Zorro Wiki's The Wisdom of the Crowds? Well, at first glance, Zorif's debut book, Mind Sharing, The Art of Crowdsourcing Everything, does remind people of Zorro Wiki's international bestseller. But an observant reader could soon perceive a far more personal twist in mind sharing. Flipping through the pages, we learn how the author himself fulfilled his life dream and solved various problems by consulting with people online, why a mother's Facebook updates saved the life of a four-year-old son, and how, in less than an hour, a Malaysian student used LinkedIn to find inspiration for his dissertation topic that has bothered him for weeks. 
In a way, your social networks could do wonders, let alone some simple trifles like finding a decent restaurant or great travel location. The crowds on your cyberspace could help you land your dream job, sharpen your parenting skills, or even snag that dreamy guy you always run into at the cafe. I used crowdsourcing throughout the process. I even asked them what to wear. So when you ask yourself, why do I need all those connections in WeChat? I say, you never know which one of your friends has experience in a rare illness, which one of them knows about a good job, or which one of them can help you even go after your life dreams. And this is what I try to figure out, how to use the network in another way, in a maybe even a more useful way to help us make better decisions. But one may wonder, hey, why do I bother talking with random strangers online? Why don't I just seek advice from a couple of close friends? As someone who knows me so well, they could surely provide the best suggestions. After all, we live in an age that values individuality and independent thinking. Well, is it really that case? Leo Zoreff warns about the echo chamber effect of social media. There's a very famous research by Professor Mark Granovetter from 1973. He tried to understand what is the most important thing you need to have in order to find a job. And he found out that your connections and your network is the most important thing. But he was trying to figure out what kind of connections, who is going to help you find a new job. Is it your best friends? He called them strong ties. Or is it your friends of friends? He called them weak ties. He found out 800 people in Boston that found new jobs, and he asked them who helped you. He took all the answers, and he found out that 80% of people found jobs using their weak ties, their friends of friends, not their best friends. And he explained it, that our best friends usually have the same circle of knowledge as we do. But the friends of friends open the opportunity for new circles of knowledge. And this can also help us not just find jobs, but solve big problems. So how should we build crowds and manage our digital relations? Zorif explains that to give is more valuable than to take. Well, it starts with a few friends, you know personally, but then you need to give them value and not just ask them questions. Tell them about your passion, teach them something, and then you will learn that some of them share it with others. So you will start to create a community where you give them value. And then, when you ask them questions, they will respond. However, instead of single-mindedly boasting about how crowdsourcing upgrades our brains, Zorif does not shy away from discussing the catastrophic consequences caused by the masses. So if the crowd is not always infallible, how could we steer through the flow of information without getting lost or misguided? The author answers. There are three conditions. The first condition is to have a big crowd. Big crowd, 10 people is not enough. Okay, in 10 people, someone can manipulate the answer. You need at least 250 people. Second condition, you need to have a diverse crowd. People from different backgrounds, different places, different ages. And the third condition is no manipulation. So it's not about choosing the right crowd. Because the same crowd can give smart answers and can give wrong answers. It depends on how you ask. It depends on the size of the crowd and the diversity of the crowd. 
Divided into four parts and published in 2015, Mindsharing is recognized by Inc. magazine as a must-read for entrepreneurs. Yet in the eyes of Jiang Yongjun, president and chief editor from Citic Frontier and Economy Press, the book is for everyone. Mind sharing is not just a practical manual that can guide you to use crowd wisdom to solve personal problems, but it's also an inspiring work that tells you how to pursue dreams. It provides detailed step-by-step -step guidance to teach us how to make use of social media and collective intelligence to make better decisions. That was Ning Ji introducing us to Leo Zoref's bestseller, Mind Sharing, The Art of Crowdsourcing Everything. I know the topic may sound a little bit cliché to some listeners, but trust me, the book is far more interesting and inspiring than you might think. OK, time to take a short break. When we come back, our reporters will delve deep into why converting online fictions to TV or web series has been a rising trend in China. How to adapt a thriller into a movie? What is your favorite toilet reading? And when to give up on paperback? Want to know the answers? Join our discussion about all the trendiest topics on Ink and Quill. Hey, this is Book Chat. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Shi Yu. And I'm Doris. Well, it has been a while for us on the show. Hope you guys didn't miss us too much. Yes, hopefully, but we are back and ready to go. So looking forward to another exciting Book Chat segment. This week, we're going to talk about the fan economy because recently, iQiyi, the web-based entertainment arm of Chinese tech giant Baidu, is ready to broadcast a new series which is based on a popular crime novel called Mei Ren Wu Xian that loosely translates into Beauty Within the Downplay. What a strange name it is. Anyway, a senior executive from the company claimed that the act is the first major exploration of its franchise building abilities. Yeah, but this isn't anything new. Like, we've seen this kind of thing happening before with Nirvana in Fire and The Journey of the Flower. These are all TV shows based on online fiction. Mm. It seems like converting literary content to TV shows, games, or web series becomes a common practice. And these things are making huge amounts of money for these companies. The valuation of companies actually go up when they buy copyrights to these content. Mm. And if you surf around the Chinese media, there's a term called IP that always pop up. So known as entertainment industrial property, it includes the corporate exhibition, performance, broadcasting, dissemination, adaption, and translation of certain literature or art. So all around adaptation of something somebody wrote online. Yeah, I remember there was a TV series named My Sunshine or He Yi Sheng Xiao Mo in Chinese. Once aired, the show became an instant hit with a premiere episode reaching a record 104 million online worlds. Can you believe that? 
Wow, that's amazing. That reminds me of the web series earlier this year called "Go Princess Go." Oh, that one <laughs> totally based on someone's imagination, someone's fantasy of this guy who travels back in time and becomes the empress of this ancient dynasty. And it's a fictional dynasty. And the TV show basically became a hit overnight. Like、mm. thousands of millions of people were watching it. Online, like just watching it straight through without stopping from episode one to episode twenty-five or something. So, something. I know. I mean, some people tend to attribute the overwhelming success of those shows to the excellent performance of actors or refreshing topics. But personally. I think, to a certain extent, they should give credit to the original novels because they have already accumulated those tremendous fan base. Yes, and most of these fan base are consisted of young working Chinese people. Yeah,、and、I mean, some of the audiences for these TV shows are probably in their middle age, but most of people are in their late twenties, early thirties,、mm. just um entering the job market. And the、uh, most popular genre that they prefer is actually fantasy. These costume dramas are drawing <laughs> in huge amounts of people into. Um, watching them in 2015, the market for online literature in the country touched seven billion yuan. That's about 1.05 billion dollars. That means a lot of online fictions have been, you know, adapted on screen and on the web. And on the silver screen, where people go into theaters and actually watch adaptations of what they have read online. Yeah, I think it's kind of different in North America. I mean, most of those successful adaptations are based on bestsellers such as Hunger Games and Game of Thrones. They got popular thanks to their huge fan bases. Oh yeah. Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings both are the result of fan economy.、Mm -hmm. I mean, J.K. Rowling,、um, because Harry Potter the books had a huge fan base.、Mm -hmm. That's what made the movies popular because a lot of those fans went into the theaters and watched the movie because、mm -hmm. they read the books. Yeah, and they bought the video games because they read the books. Yeah, yeah, it's the same thing <laughs>、so、with Game of Thrones. Take myself for example. I'm a huge fan for original novels. That's the reason why I go to watch the TV show. But back in China, I think people tend to go to online fictions, maybe because their copyrights are cheaper. Yes, well, that's one of the reasons, and I think in this sense, China is sort of more advanced and than North America and Europe in terms of the usage of internet and internet content. Because now,、um, in China, writers are no longer、uh, solely pen and paper based. I know, and、um, not a lot of paperback books are sold、mm -hmm. in China in bookstores, but rather they're sold online and they've been read online. So that's the new way for up and coming Chinese writers to have their book published and read by the public, and eventually, as Alibaba and Tencent are hiring writers to hire scour, writers, hiring writers. That's right, you heard it right here to scour the internet for content that can be used to build entertainment franchises. 
The thing is, these entertainment franchises they don't last very long because they're only adapted into about like twenty or forty or maybe like sixty or eighty episodes. But they only last for one year or a season. But whereas in America, a lot of the TV shows they have maybe、mm, at least seven or eight seasons. I mean, like、mm. Grey's Anatomy. Yeah, that's um. Originally written by the producer、um, Shonda Rhimes, but it's lasted more than ten seasons. I think it's long. It's like twelve or thirteen seasons right now. So that's sort of like one of the problems that I foresee for like Chinese franchises. I know like in the past, a lot of TV shows they've only lasted twenty or thirty episodes, then they're done. Yeah, you know the know. story is done, but.、Mm. How do you continue the story? How do you make it into a bigger franchise, like the Harry Potter series? Even I mean, there are eight movies, but it took them fifteen years to make. It lasted a really long time, and it continues to generate profit for them.、Mm-hmm. But if these、um, online fiction lasts only for a couple of months and people are done watching them, that means they're not very profitable. They're only profitable for a short period of time. They're not long lasting, like Grey's Anatomy, like the、I、Big、know. Bang Theory, like all those other American、um, TV shows. Well, I think those fictions that attract attentions from entertainment companies, they share similar themes because most of them target at young women. Big spenders nowadays who seek out romantic genres. Even though some dramas they have elements such as actions, adventure, and crime, but underneath it is all about romance. No matter we're talking about male, female romance or bromance. Another problem is that China has such a hard time bridging the gap between quality and commercialization, because the rising fan economy, just as you said, is a huge revenue generator that many film and TV show producers they just sacrifice quality to make quick bucks. That's a big problem here. Yes, and they continue to upload、um, these web series onto multiple different platforms. So、mm. besides TV and film, they also upload it online.、Uh, for me, I would just watch one form either on TV or on the internet or in theaters. But I wouldn't watch it on different, you know, multiple platforms. But maybe for some people, if they're totally obsessed. With these fantasy dramas、mm-hmm. or fantasy series, they will probably watch it、um, for on whatever account they have. I think they're going to be the major contributors to these companies who made these series.、Mm, I mean, the key purpose for entertainment companies to purchase the IPs of those works is to expand the fandom. Fans are not just buying products; they convince their friends to give it a try. You know, sometimes companies would adapt fictions into games. Yeah, which I don't understand. I would watch rather watch a TV series or a movie rather than playing a game. Well, but online games help to enforce fans' digital identities. It's more cost-effective. But、um, I'm not sure whether、uh, these 
business people or these、um, company executives? Are they targeting at fans for this one particular story, or are they targeting fans for like a multiple number of stories? Because if they're just producing one stories and attracting fans to watch this story, it's not going to last very long.、Mm, well, I mean, take. Daomu BG, for example, which known as the Grave Robbers Chronicles in English, the whole series that were originally published online have already generated so many spin-offs in recent years. So on some websites such as Qidian or Jinjiang, editors will search for good writings and persuade writers to sign year-long contracts and produce sequels. It's great, great to see that. These people, these company executives, are recognizing talent, but I would like to see them hiring just writers to write these TV shows for them, rather hiring writers to find other writers to ask for their fiction to be made into TV series. Do you think the popularity of these fictions are going to pose a threat? To serious literature, because those works are not suitable for web series. Yeah, and how many people actually read serious literature? I mean, a lot of young people they prefer to read stories online. Yeah, yeah. I see a lot of people、um, on the subway not even reading with their Kindle, but actually watching TV series on their、uh, cell phones. Yeah. So it doesn't consume as much brain power、mm-hmm. for them to read and flip the pages and whatnot. It's just them watching some entertainment. It's not actually something that you can learn from, like Mo Yan's book or. Liu Qixin's book actually、yeah. that requires a lot of thinking. Yeah, I mean watching a TV series like Nirvana on Fire or The Lost Tomb doesn't really require you to think about it much. Yeah, it's just a story about love, about revenge, about finding treasure. So just like <laughs> watching the. Hollywood blockbuster. You don't need brain power to do something like that. I mean, come on! But watching like a fantasy series like Lord of the Rings、mm. and、uh, The Hobbit that requires a lot of thinking about、uh, good and evil. And personally, I prefer to watch good actors on screen. So watching Ian McKellen and、mm-hmm. watching all those other stars. Just makes it really good experience for me in, yeah. in a movie theater or、yeah. even on the subway.、Uh, on the other hand, maybe the popularity of this web series could promote literary practice and help those unprofessional writers to realize their creative dreams. Maybe, or on the flip side, there's the danger of more and more writers just giving up writing serious literature and start writing. Some fantasy story just to please the audience and get their work published and making money. Maybe all these problems we mentioned earlier are just temporary. You need to give them time. Yes, and it's also a young industry. It's very new. It just started maybe two or three years ago. So it's 
very chaotic right now. Like、mm. people are still trying to figure out what's going on.、Yeah. Is this a valid business idea? Or maybe in the future, people will start thinking, maybe I should put copyright on my work so I can、exactly. sell them to different agencies or different companies to make them into movies and other forms of entertainment.、Mm. So、uh, people are still trying to figure out the details. Of how to operate this trend, so、yeah. I'm excited to see what will happen to this market in the future. Maybe it will be the next big thing in China. Maybe like these online writers, they they will turn into legitimate authors and、mm. legitimate literary giants. Here, you never know. It's very exciting. I can't wait to see what what can happen next. Serious literature is not necessarily superior compared with online fiction. Yeah, but people still need to read serious literature. I mean, don't avoid books by Mo Yan and by Liu Cixin. These are great books that、mm. you need to read in your lifetime. But other than that, if you find online fiction entertaining, then go ahead and read them, and go ahead and watch the web series on the subway or wherever at work. <laughs> <laughs> But do focus on your work. <laughs> You're in your office, though. Well, that's a good suggestion. That was Shiru and Doris discussing the mechanism behind China's whirling fan economy. Okay, it's time to wrap up today's program. Don't forget that there are always more interesting happenings in the literary world. To find out more about us, you are always welcome to follow our Facebook account, China Plus. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Yang Yong. Goodbye.